Hey, church, do you mean what you were singing? Did you hear that? I mean, God's speaking. God's moving and he's doing stuff and he's so amazing. We want to walk in the fullness of who he is and what he's saying in our lives and what he wants to do in us as a church and as individuals to become the church he's called us to become. God is amazing. So blessed to be with you. Thank you for joining us here in person as well as online. Wanted to make sure that uh, we are addressing each thing as it comes up. As you know, I want to uh, speak with you a little bit for a second of something that I was hoping we'd never have to talk about again, and that's masks and COVID-19. But things are happening in our world around us. As you hear the, the uh, talk of more and more, I want a couple things to be real clear with you is that um, you are welcome to wear masks and social distance here. You're welcome to do whatever you feel necessary for you and your life and your family. I do want you to know that we're going to keep the doors of the church open. We believe that it is a necessity and that God has asked us to do so regardless of what anything else is going on. I've prayed through this. I looked in Scripture. I've sought God on all this. Nobody has to come if you don't want to. We'll be here and the doors will be open no matter what is going on around us. The, the reason for that is, is that I feel like it is a mandate. I don't feel like, I read it in scriptures, that God has mandated for us to assemble together as the body of Christ. And throughout history, when governments or things have tried to stop um, the church from gathering together, the church has assembled underground in different places. Now, I do not take it lightly, and I'm not saying anyone else has to be here with me. I know God will be, and we'll projecting on, online like we do now. I feel very strongly in my heart a conviction from God to stand in this truth and to stand here with the church doors open to assemble together. And the reason for that is there's many, but biblically, God has called us to assemble together and do not forsake that, especially as we see the end coming. So the end is coming. I'm not saying tomorrow or next week or next year. It's coming. And my meeting of God is coming very quickly, and I know that. I mean, it's just amazing how life is speeding by, isn't it? It's crazy. I was laying in bed the other day, and I was thinking, it's going to be 2022 before you know it. And I was like, oh, two. That means I'll be 60. I'm like, wait a minute, how old am I right now? Uh, <laughs> I'm like, ha, I'm 58. Oh, yeah, so in 2022, I will be 60. I was like, nah, that can't be me. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, that can't be. And then I look in the mirror, I'm like, yeah, maybe even a little more. <laughs> so, you know, like life just does that to us, and it's speeding by, but... The day that we meet God face to face is coming quickly, church. It's going to be here before we know it. And so as I see that, the need of being together and as the body of Christ is ever more needed and necessary. During the last shutdown, I, um, you know, we did close the doors for eight weeks as we prayed through, sought through, talked with our leadership, looked at what we were being told, different things from the government. We did get a letter from the Arizona um, uh, attorney general that we could have our doors open that the governor has said that we were a necessity uh, even though the most of culture viewed us not as one and when we uh, did that and I had prayed through all that stuff I mean obviously none of us have ever dealt with anything like that before in our lives we absolutely felt like God was uh, giving us a clear message to be open and to continue to press his word forward. So the necessity of our culture was that we could have things like the dollar store and Home Depot and Walmart, different things like open as a necessity for us, but that the church should be closed. And then there's a message going forth like like the worship service is one of the worst places you can be and stuff. And I'm just saying like, no way, not at all, not a chance. 
I don't care what the world says or what their perception is. I would rather be in God's house than anywhere else. And I'm going to be here, and I just want you to know that we will be. And again, I don't, I believe me, I know that not everybody agrees with me. I already know that. I heard from a lot of them. Alright, in the whole process. I heard everybody's things and stuff, and so I have to retract myself back to be alone with God, and then speaking with our, um, our district leadership. Pastor Phil Stevenson is my district superintendent, not ours, and spoke with him about it, and he's very clear on where we are and in agreement with what we're doing and things. And, uh, so it's not like I'm just being rogue or doing my own thing. I'm doing what God's asked me to do, but communicating with those around us. So church, the thing is, is that what I want to share with you about this before we step into the fullness of what God's saying to us in the message is this, that as we do this, you know, the church was seen and is seen today by our whole culture as an elective. It's something you do if you want to. And it's, you know, viewed that way. And quite honestly, I want you to know that... um, most of the Christian community viewed church as an uh, option and, and you know, like a, an elective as well. We've proven that to the world around us, that church is an elective. We go when it's convenient or when it fits our schedule or whatever's going on in our life. So the, the problem with it is, is that it's not an elective. And this isn't a thing where Dave's trying to get everybody to come to church every week. No, it's a thing that God says that we're supposed to assemble as the body of Christ. Now, how often you do it, that's between you and him. I'm going to be here every week because I believe it is like his life source that I know when I come together. He tells us to do this. There's a reason. He meets stronger when we gather together as a family than any other place. Scripture says that. Okay, so now as we look at that, as we see the elective aspect, I've been a pastor for over 30 years, and so George Barna has done research on the church for decades and decades, since before I started. But I remember, I, I think it's before I started, I don't even know, but I remember looking at his stuff. And this I know, church, I want you to hear me because I've seen it in the findings and the statistics and the results of what's happening. What I saw was the measuring tools, whatever the, um, whatever the questions were going to be put forth to Christian people and the designation of those being born again, etc., and all these things that are parameters put forth whenever you do a survey and then things were being asked of the church and we would read the statistics and the stuff that's going on. I know this, and anyone that's been in the church for a long time that's looked at that stuff, uh, Pastor George is here. I know he's somewhere around here. There you go. You can ask Pastor George, too, and he'll tell you the same thing because he's been around a lot longer, not a lot longer, a little longer than me, uh, doing what we're doing. So what I'm saying is, is that when you look and you see what George Barna was doing, he began, because of trying to get answers from the church and measure things, the expectations began to drop in the church and the Christian community. There began like, here's what we see as a committed church-going Christian, etc. Then we started asking and saying, well, this is what we see as a um, consistent Christian, and this is what you do. Okay, this is what we see as a Christian. You see what I'm saying? Like, God's standard hasn't changed, church. God hasn't changed. What he's asked of me and you has not changed. But when we're asking the questions of his people, it's being changed because the people aren't measuring up to what we used to see as what God says. 
So there's a little bit of lostness here somewhere. I want you to know that God's not following the digression of culture in the church and lowering His standards. Alright, He's proven that with the ark. God is a God of righteousness and judgment. And so He's not going to lower the curve to boost the numbers the way we do. So God has said something to us and He's expecting something out of His people. It's not just to show up on Sunday. That's just a part of the relationship that we have with God. But you see the church in its digression away from living what God says to us and the expectation that we have of people in the church and assembling together actually physically. Now, if you at least come to church twice a month, you're, consi- you're considered a, a regular church attender. Follow that? Okay, just showing up twice a month now, we consider that to be a regular church attender. Now we're basing all of our findings of Christianity on that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Stay with me. You see, the church itself has seen church and worship and the service that we gather together as an elective. Why wouldn't our culture? Why wouldn't they see it that way? They're lost. They see zero value in it whatsoever. And the Christian community has said somewhat of an amen to that, saying like, it's not that high of a priority for us either, because if we have something else to do, we do it. All right, so this isn't about the church, about being in church. We're trying to set a standard here that God is talking to us about. So God is calling us into this relationship with Him to be transformed and made new. We want God to do something in our lives. God wants to do something in our lives. Let's let God do something in our lives. All right? So now you're all here. So that wasn't a rebuke to you because you're here. Maybe it's your second one of the month. Well done. It's not. Today's the first. You only got one. You got to come back. All right? All right. So today's August 1st. So we're one and ready to go. And you got plenty more to make it. Here's the problem. As I look at the Word of God and what He's called us into and inviting us into this relationship with Him, what God is saying is like, I'm a God of transformation and power. I'm a God that creates. I'm an amazing God who has all power to do all things. And the church is like, you know, hey, we want you to do something and do that and that and that. We're not just... We just sang it. I surrender everything... That's what we were just singing to Him. Right? All of it. I'm available. Everything I have, everything I am, everything I do, God, I surrender. I'm available. Come Holy Spirit, fall on us. Settle in this place. Just like you moved over the waters in the very beginning. So we're singing all these things to God. Church, are we available for God to do what God wants to do in our lives? Amen. Amen. We read some scriptures last week in Ephesians 4. In those scriptures, what we looked at um, is putting off the old, putting on the new. So God's Word tells us to throw off the old sinful nature, put on the new nature, which is Christ-like, being made holy and righteous like God. Okay? So we want to look at these things again in scripture, but I want to share something with you here too. Like, there's certain things that you and I can do for ourselves. We can. I've seen people do it. Like, you may want to get in shape, and you commit yourself to it, and you get in shape. 
Obviously, I'm not committed there yet. All right. It's going to happen. I know it is. Someday. Anyway, what I'm saying is we can we can diet and stick with it. And you can see evidence that someone's lost weight. They can start getting in shape. They can do things. People can come out of addictions, going through addiction programs like, you know, we have life recovery, celebrate recovery, the the mission. People can go through AA and NA and all that stuff and not even know God not serve the living God, but call a higher power or something, and they can still change their life, right? We all know that. It's true. People have done it. But nobody, nobody can on their own change themselves to be Christ-like and to change the nature within into what God has for us to do. So our human abilities are limited. We can do a lot of stuff in our human ability but we can't do enough. We can't do it. We need Him. And what we're being asked by God here is this. When you enter into this relationship with me, there's a, God does this amazing work, right? The Holy Spirit comes inside of us. Now, there is a responsibility that comes back to you and I as the believer. There is. We read the Scripture and we're going to again where I take off and set aside where I put on. So it is the surrender of myself to God to embrace the new me, not the old me. That is my part in this relationship with God. So this, the transformation and the change that is spoken here in God's Word is a work that God does as we embrace the Holy Spirit. So He is our spiritual physical, mental, emotional, every aspect of our life, life coach. That's who the Holy Spirit is in our life. So if you want a complete makeover in every way, start to surrender and let God be God and let God do what He wants and there will be a change in who you are, how you operate, how you think, what you do, the attitudes you carry with you and what happens in your life. Church, That's what we need is to surrender to the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can become everything He has for us to become. Let's look in Ephesians 4 again. We're going to reread some scripture, but don't worry, we're not. Anyway, they, Gentiles, non-Christians, have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. That's pretty clear right there. Understandable, right? We don't have to pause and explain anything. I mean, it says right there, you've learned about Christ, you know who He is, since you now have heard, and you know it's the truth, and you have come to that truth, then throw off the old, old ways, put on the new. Good there? We're all there, right? Good, because I want to get out of here so you can have some lunch. Here we go. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature, form a way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's a convicting set of scriptures right there, isn't it? Come on, church, when we're looking at this, see the first step of the new you. To putting it all on is by renewing your thoughts and your attitudes. 
How many of you had an attitude today that, I mean, y'all had an attitude, but I'm saying a wrong attitude. Just raise your hand if you had a wrong attitude today. Thank you for your honesty. All right. How about this? As we think about that, and we're, we're processing what's going on, um, some of y'all have some wrong thoughts in your mind. Any else want to raise your hand to join that first group? All right, so listen. Here's what God's Word just said to us. There needs to be a renewing of our thoughts and our attitudes. Attitudes come from wrong thinking. So when I begin to think the wrong things, I develop an attitude. And something happens when I think about the wrong stuff and I develop an attitude. Pretty soon, I am acting in that arena right there, which is the old self. Right? Listen, church, the Bible says something to us about our minds are to be Christ-like. So we'll talk about, you know, I'm saved, the Spirit of God has changed me, but I'm still just a sinner saved by grace, and therefore God knows I'm not perfect. I don't know about you, but I just read something in that scripture that he says that we're supposed to be God-like, righteous and holy. Did you read that? That was in God's Word about us. So let's see what God's Word says to us about this thought issue, this whole attitude problem. Philippians 4 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must. Not, we hope you do. Hey, work on this. Try the best you can. I hear all that. Y'all have said all that, right? I'm doing the best I can. I'm not perfect. I'm trying. I'm not Jesus. I don't know about you, but I just read in God's Word. You must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. You must. So, has everybody been Christ-like today in your thoughts and attitudes? So, we probably could have an altar call right now and pretty much fill the place. But I'm looking at what God's Word and He's saying something to us about. You know, here's the issue. The the problem is is that we're still like wearing the old me. I'm still acting in who I am, not who He is in me. And and the problem is, is that I'm processing everything through me instead of through the Holy Spirit. And therefore, my actions become about me. Thinking wrong, attitude wrong, equals action wrong. Amen. That's the problem. Here's what he goes on to say to us right there. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God and did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. First off, let me just point out once again that Jesus is God. Let's not ever lose that. He was God, not meaning like past tense, he's no longer God. No, he was God, but there's a point to what's being said here. Though he was God, he did not think of the equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Surrender. Absolute surrender. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, 
He humbled himself in obedience to God. Surrender. And died a criminal's death on a cross. Surrender. The absence of self. No selfish thinking. No selfish attitude. Surrender. Gave it up. So remember what it says? Take off the old self. Put on the new. Be like Christ. The absence of self. The surrender of me. The everything about you and whatever your will would be in my life. See, because our old self is all about me. My wants, my needs, my ways. Many of us as Christians, we justify anything we want to because we want it. And... We don't want to be denied. So we validate ourselves and we give ourselves, but the whole while, church, I'm talking to us as Christians, the whole while, we know within us that this is me. It's not God. It's me. See, the Holy Spirit's faithful and He's convicting and He's saying, like, you know. You know. <laughs> Look, when I asked you if you th- he had a bad attitude today, you could have faked it. Some of you probably did try and hide your attitude today. I hope you at least tried. <laughs> try and hide your attitude, right? And you can. And nobody knows your thoughts, thank God. Right? So you could have an attitude and wrong thoughts and be in here. You could be leading worship. Not anybody up here. I'm not talking about you. All right? Well, maybe God is, but I'm not. I'm just saying you can lead worship. And you can have a wrong attitude, wrong thoughts, and have nothing to do with God, sing songs, and people out there can be being touched. Right? Church, it's the old. Put off the old, put on the new. God's Word tells us that we have to have the attitude of Christ. See, so we're being challenged in the Word here. It says, you can't be selfish. It's not about you. Remember the little thing at the beginning? It's all about you. That's the kind of cereal we want. That's the worship. We want it to taste good and be what we like. I definitely don't want to get off there because, you know, (laughs) people shop for churches like they do cereal. And there's a lot of options out there, you know. Anyway, so I don't get lost here. Let's stay with what we're doing. Selfishness, our ego, pride. I mean, as we look at this, you know, he's talking about humbleness. Remember, Jesus is our example. And he is God. And he just set it all aside. And he became human. Surrender? Yeah, you talk about surrender. So the old self is all about me. Sin, selfish, pride, me, ego. It's all about me. And so when it's about me, it's not about him. My old life was all about me. My wants, my needs, my ways. I want you to meet me where I'm at. I want you to meet me where I want you. All those things. But see, in the Scripture, it challenges us not to be selfish, not to be prideful. True humility is the opposite of pride. And, and he's speaking to us here. He's saying others' needs are, not only are they more important or important, but we listen to them. I was having a conversation with one of our members 
And he, he said something to me, and it was like pretty profound, and it's not like all that profound. I mean, you understand what I mean, the simplicity. Listen, he says, you know, in elementary school, we're taught to read and to write. We're not taught to listen. And I was sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, you're right. I mean, we're told to listen, but we're not taught to listen. And as I was thinking about that, I'm like, wow, man, you know, when the Word of God says take an interest in others' needs and what's going on in their life, that's, that's a discipline. I hope you know that. You know, to actually listen to what they're saying and try and find a, an answer, not to give them the answer, but you know what I mean? Like, how can we make this better, right, move, whatever it is? Okay, anyway, interested in their life. Something about them. See, this is the attitude of Christ. Think about it. Everything Jesus did was for me and you. Everything. He gave it all up for the benefit of you and I. And this is the attitude that we're supposed to have. Why do you do what you do? Who are you doing it for? I mean, literally, like, why do you do what you do? And who is it for? We could do... We can even do God's work and do it the wrong way. Just like I was talking about the worship, it can be in anything we do. I don't care what it is. Uh, we can do stuff f- for ourselves. <sighs> we can have a wrong attitude. We can ra- have wrong ego. We can have this. All right? So, uh, I, I, I want to be very transparent. I'm always transparent with you. I want you to know that. I am who I am. And I say I am. Do it. This is me. So, of course, in the past, I've had a battle with my own ego. Of course I have. As your pastor, I have. I want people to see what God's doing here. You know, like, I want to share it with them so they can celebrate with us. But i got to make sure that what I share with them isn't like, Dave's doing a great job over there. He's a good pastor. He should get something, some recognition. You follow me? So it's not like I have to check myself every time I talk about it. And there's been many times I don't say anything because I already know it can be perceived the wrong way. So we won't do it. Like, I'm not going to say that because, uh, yeah, well, I'll say this too. Most of the time when you get together with pastors, they're a bunch of whiners. <laughs> and all they're doing is complaining about everything they don't like about what's going on people and you know pretty much a standard one-liner that comes is you know all ministry is great except for the people you know like uh if you don't know that that's what's a lot of time being said in the pastoral meetings and stuff um so i'm telling you that <laughs> yes well <laughs> so i'm saying that to you because see like we can come in with a wrong attitude pastors a lot of times have wrong attitudes Looking at what's wrong instead of what God's doing. Worship leaders, they can come in with the wrong attitude. Look at what's wrong with what's going on instead of what God's doing with what's right. Security people, nursery workers, kids XP, cafe people, whatever. I don't care what or who you are. We can have a wrong attitude even while we're doing something for God. And we can have wrong thoughts. And pretty soon we have the old self all over us while we're serving God and we're damaging other people because it's about us and not about Him. Amen. Amen. God help us. See, Christ gave us the example. 
He became one of us, surrendered to the will and the plan of God in every arena, in every area, and it was at His expense in our gain. Look what He got out of the deal. He got me. He got you. Right? I mean, He willingly did this just hoping that we would say yes and have a relationship with Him. Hoping. So again, church, why do you do what you do? Who are you doing it for? The death of self equals putting off the old. The life of God in surrender through the power of the Holy Spirit equals the putting on of the new. Have you been saved and forgiven by God? Well, I expect a pretty big altar call because that was about five people that are saved in the room, right? (laughs) So I'm going to ask it again so you can be awake. Thanks for getting coffee, brother. You might want to bring some of those around here when you come back. Uh, (laughs) Hey, y'all saved? Amen. Very good. All right. So then if you're saved, and you know it, say amen. That's the whole song, right? Anyway, so if we've done that, then we also know that God tells us that when we have received forgiveness from our sins, that we receive the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit lives in you. Can you say amen to that? So that's the old me was absent of Christ with the power of the Spirit. The new me is in relationship with God through Christ with the Spirit living in me. So now, God's done His part in me. Now I'm surrendering to the attitude of Christ. This is the next step for us, church. We're saved. We have the Holy Spirit. Now it's the surrender of my old self to the new self. So the attitude and the mind and the thoughts begin to be triggered by God and not by self. We're going to continue reading in Ephesians 4. So stop telling lies. It's kind of funny, isn't it, that he's writing to the church. Remember, we're not writing to the world. This is writing to the church. When he's talking about putting off the old, putting on the new. So stop telling lies. (laughs) That's on us. Right? I'm the one that has to stop telling lies. The Holy Spirit's not going to tell a lie. God's not going to spur me on to tell a lie. Self will tell a lie. So he's saying, so stop that. The old self's gone. He was a liar. The new self's not. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Hey, Christian, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. <laughs> Man. We probably need to pause here for a minute. You know, one of the things like Kim and I in our relationship early on, you know, we we knew God's word said this, and so we're not going to do it. We're not going to that angry at each other. So there was some late nights sometimes early in our marriage, right? Because we're angry with each other. I mean, she had a lot to learn. (laughs) She didn't always listen well. So... You see the problem? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so what I'm saying is, is that, and we had to stay awake until she saw it rightly. 
So I was trying to educate her and help her to grow in her thoughts and her attitudes so that she would be more Christ-like. So I'm being very spiritual and leading her along this journey of surrender and selflessness so that we can both get a good night's rest. Will you just surrender? Just admit I'm right, you're wrong, and let's just go to bed. I'm tired. Yes. We're laughing. Um, It kept us up a while. Yeah, okay. So we're laughing, but you know, the truth of the matter is that's most of the problem, isn't it? I mean, I'm speaking, but she could come up here and tell you the same thing. But the problem is, is that we're angry at each other, and so we're still fighting for self. See, my attitude is that you're wrong, I'm right. I, I, I don't have to surrender because I am right. And, and if you'll see the truth in this, you'll be the one that surrenders and we'll all go to bed. So the thing is, is that we look at this, he's saying like, don't, don't let that anger control you. Don't let it happen. Because once you let anger get a hold of you, what happens, folks? Thoughts are wrong. Attitude's wrong. What happens? Actions are wrong. Who takes over? Sure isn't the Holy Spirit. It's all about self. It's all about me being right. It's all about you being wrong. It's all about what I think is the best thing for us and the fact that you need to change to align to it. This isn't just in marriage. This the same problem at work. It's the same problem we're driving the streets. It's the same problem in all of culture. See, we get an attitude and we're angry because we're not getting what we want our way, the right way, my way. And I look at this and God says, look, if you give way to anger and you live angrily, you're giving a foothold to the devil. So the way I always illustrated this in my mind for Dave is like, here's my walk with, not that it's this scary or anything, but I'm saying like, I saw myself on this big high skyscraper on a window ledge. There's only room for my feet there. And he tells me, don't give a foothold to the devil. If I give in to this, what I'm doing is I'm like letting him get on there with me. And I'm telling you right now, if I give him one finger hold, I'm going down. I'm going down. Because see, flesh and Dave never had the ability to do what only God can do. And so when self takes over, and he invites the old self, the old ways back in. Pretty soon, I'm the one that fell. I'm the one down there. I'm the one that sinned. So as I look at that, I want you to know, as we're going to continue reading here, we're going to touch back on this for a minute because I never had a temper in my life. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't understand anger. Like, I never had that. I don't get it. And, you know, have my own way of coping with that. And I'll I'll talk about that in a minute, hopefully, if I remember. (laughs) It goes on in the scriptures here, for anger gives a fool to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Isn't that odd? Seriously, don't you think that's kind of like a weird thing to say right here? Remember, we're talking to Christians. First, we're told not to lie. Now we're told don't let anger control you. Now we're being told not to steal. Don't be a thief. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Another thing, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those 
Who hear them? Oh, dear God, we need an altar call. Thought, attitude, action, words. They're all connected. And they're pretty ugly sometimes. Stop the old ways. You're no longer a liar. You're no longer a thief. You're no longer letting anger control you. You're no longer that old person, man. That's not who you are. Put it off. Stop it. No more. You're different now. God says, I've changed you. Stop using foul or abusive language. Here's the part I'm going to go back to. Told you I didn't have an anger issue. I didn't. My father had a terrible temper. Like, he'd blow up at everything and anything, and I didn't get it. And, um, I mean, like, I, didn't, I did get it, but I didn't understand it. Okay, um, so Dave instead knew how to use words. I can be completely calm, but, man, I can rip you apart. Like, real easy, especially if you're losing it. To me, that just spurs me on to just tear you down. I'm going to talk about the old me. Because I grew up in, a, in, a, in an abusive situation f- verbally. So like we were all developed. There's five of us boys and one girl. We all grew up in an environment where we developed our swords very well. And it was our tongue. And so when it says here in the scriptures not to use abusive, not just foul language, abusive language, um, see, when I was reading this, and I'm talking about don't let anger control you, don't go to bed angry. So I could go to bed every night. Uh, I'm not angry. I don't care. Totally fine, whatever. But see, the problem is, is that my anger is manifesting in a different way through an abusive tongue, through like me saying what I want to say in a calm and self-controlled way, and then I'm more self-righteous because, see, I'm, I'm not losing control. I'm completely in control right now. And you're out of control, Kim. Therefore, you're wrong. <laughs> right? But God's Word says, don't let this happen. You know, because I know her so much, I could, right now, I could push her buttons. You could watch over there at that second row and see her face start to get red. If I wanted to do it, I could do it. Right? Not an embarrassment, but because, see, I know how to use the the tongue. I used to be really good at it. That's the old self. (laughs) So in the new self, God's like, how are you going to build her up? Are you listening to what she's saying? Do you know her needs? Look, church, I'm not talking about just a marriage relationship. Do you understand that? We're talking about with people around us. The people at work, the people at school, everywhere we look. See, we're not using that foul or abusive language. So like if you wouldn't say what you're saying in front of a child, and if you wouldn't say what you're saying under the face of the person, don't say it. The Holy Spirit's a bridle on the tongue. Help us, Lord how we live and what we do, how we react and what we say, it all matters and all connects. See, a lot of people make excuses and this is what I hear a lot of times from Christian people in the church. Well, it's just who I am. Okay, here's what God's Word says. Take off who you am and set it aside 
and put on the new you. Right? It's not about who you am. It's about who He is. And being who you are is the problem. Alright? That's the problem, church. And it's about surrendering so that I am like Him, like God in everything I do in righteous and holy, my conversations, my conduct, my actions. I'm called by God to be that person. Not who I was, not who I am, not who I think I am, who God says I am. So we got to stop using those excuses and take that off and put on the new. The attitude and the mind affect the actions and the words. And they affect the relationship. Verse 30. Same chapter. Ephesians 4. Putting off the old, putting on the new. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. What a profound statement. <laughs> Bring sorrow to God by the way we live. Don't do it. Remember, He's identified you as His own. Guaranteeing that you will be saved in the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Remember again, we're writing to the church. This is a letter to us. So here it is. It's not an all-inclusive do not do list, but here's a do not do list. Very clear to us in Scripture right here. It says, do not, do not, do not. Yeah, get rid of your bitterness, your rage, your anger, your harsh words. That's where I fell. Slander. That's where I fell as well as all types of evil behavior. All types. So there's the don'ts. So if you're a list maker and you want to put on Christ when you get up tomorrow morning, tonight, whenever you got to go out into the world today before you leave, right? So just get that little list out. Pray, God, I'm not going to do this, 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 and this today. By your power and spirit, I'm going to renew my mind and my thoughts. We're going to walk together, and I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to behave in that conduct in that way any longer. That's not who I am. God, I give that to you. But church, the good thing is about the scriptures right here that I'm reading to you, it's not just a list of don'ts. There's a list of do's. Verse number 32, instead. So here you go. Here's the balance. These are the don'ts. Now let's do this instead. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Let's just think about it. As you, if you go to school or work tomorrow, and let's just say you walk up to everybody and you're kind and tender-hearted, they're all going to wonder what happened this weekend. Why don't you tell them, Jesus? Right? See, forgiving is the next word, one another. So it's kind of hard to go to work tomorrow morning, online, in person, school, wherever you are, and be tenderhearted and kind if I have an attitude or a problem with somebody there. That's why he says, forgiving one another. Instead, 
Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. And here's where we have the biggest roadblock and the struggle with our thoughts, attitudes, words, actions, and anger. Forgiveness. See, forgiveness is the key to all of this. It really is. See, when, we, when we're called back, we're saying, put, on, put off the old, put on the new, which is like Christ, which is all about forgiveness. So as we deal with this, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you, and we progress through that scripture and come to that point, that struggle point comes in the aspect of forgiveness because, okay, let's, let's do this. Um, when you all receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and you ask God to forgive you of your sins, did God hesitate? No. Did He hold anything back? No. I mean, this is a... I don't want words coming out of you other than yes, so don't like go into any... like colorful illustrations or something you did some bad stuff didn't you so in the bad stuff you did God didn't say like I forgive you but I'm going to kind of wait on this one he didn't do that did he when, when God forgave see in his word he's all in God is God lives in the state of forgiveness. And so when we listen and we think about this, remember, he's talking to us in our actions. Don't lose this. So we're seeing how Christ did this, his attitude, his mind, his selflessness, his surrender is all you, all your plan and all this. And then we're looking at it and God tells us, now you need to forgive the way you've been forgiven. And so we can't hold anything back. But many of us have this wait and see on this one somewhere in our heart and our mind. So like we forgive. Yeah, I forgive y'all. I forgive y'all. And yet inside of us, we're still holding reservation of that forgiveness against a certain person or thing that's happened to us. We don't want to extend that same forgiveness grace to those who've wronged us, abused us, neglected to us, lied us, cheated us. We don't want to give them forgiveness. We want to hold them accountable. We want them to have to pay. We don't want them to be free. And the way we view it is like, they're free. Well, guess what? God says we're free. Right? That doesn't mean God won't hold people accountable, church. What we're saying is we're giving it up and we're letting God deal with it because I'm not. Because I can't. Many people today are being held captive by people that don't even know they exist. Because we're not willing to forgive them from something that happened years ago. And we're the ones that are captivated in that unforgiving state that affects our thoughts, our attitudes, our Christ-likeness, our ability to live and function in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we won't let go because we don't think they deserve it because they haven't earned it because they're still acting like they used to act. But we have to forgive, church. We have to forgive. That's on us. Just like God forgave us. Maybe you're the problem. Please hear that through. Maybe you're the perpetrator. Maybe it's you that abused, neglected, cheat, did all kinds of wrong stuff, and so you can't forgive yourself. 
There's no difference in the message I'm speaking to you than the one I was just talking about. But one of the hardest things some people have to deal with is the forgiveness of myself. I'm willing to forgive everybody else. I can't forgive myself. And therein lies a big issue. Because you see, as we forgive, we must forgive. And therefore you need to forgive yourself. That's the old self. Can you let go of that? Church, will you let go of the old self and step into the new? That's not who I am by the power of God that has changed. You can't hold yourself accountable just like we can't hold anybody else accountable. What has happened is done. We can't change it. The only thing we can receive is forgiveness from God. But when we receive that forgiveness from God, God says it's done. Now some people don't like that. Some people aren't comfortable with that. I heard it from someone right here in our own church this week. Some people don't deserve forgiveness. I can't deal with that. No way. I don't want to be part of a God or a church that is like that. I want you to understand this. Church, please hear me. We are the ones being held captive by our unforgiveness and God knows that. And He offers us this freedom that comes to us whether they're the victim or the perpetrator, God's forgiveness is available to every one of us. He loves us. He loves you. He does not love what we used to do. He does not love sin and where we were. That's why He died to give us the ability to come out of that old life into the new. That's why it's there. We've got to forgive, church. God forgives immediately. Every sin ever committed has forgiveness waiting. Isn't he amazing? All we have to do is respond to God's offer of forgiveness and God forgives. That's the way it works. The only way we won't receive forgiveness is if we don't accept it. And that's Jesus. And if we don't accept Jesus, we're not going to heaven. Therefore, forgiveness is the only option. Others are self. Do you see now how when we're looking at all this stuff, putting off the old, putting on the new, the thoughts, the attitude, the actions, the words, the relationship, they're all tied together. It's not just a spiritual aspect of my life. God is in every aspect of my life. And God is called to redeem us into a new Self, selfless, self, surrendered self, all about him. Will you stand with me? <clears throat> Amazing songs we sang in worship today. Amazing, calling us to this moment. Affirmation of God's word and what he's calling us into. I'm challenging everyone in this room, everyone online. I want to challenge you the Holy Spirit is speaking to you don't hold back if you need to forgive someone forgive come to the altar surrender lay it down don't walk out of here with the old stuff please don't you have a choice to make you can leave it or take it it's on you God's inviting us to just leave it here and walk out new today he's amazing isn't he so amazing he loves you It's here for you. He is, and he loves you. (laughs) 
Thank you for responding to him. Thank you, Lord, for every person that's at this altar and why we're here, you know. Holy Spirit, you're so faithful to us and you're the one that prods our heart. You're the one that spurs us on. You're the one that calls us. You're the Holy Spirit that moves within us, calling us to that amazing transformation, the sacrifice and the release of self into the new. And so God, as we walk this journey with you, we want you to be seen, Lord. We want you to be heard. We want our actions to be all about you. We pray for your touch in our lives, God. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing, God. Thank you. Just waiting on the Lord for a minute. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. How are we doing up here at the altar? You guys all right? He's faithful. He's amazing. It's not a wrestling match. It's a surrender. Just give up. Both shoulders flat. Done. (laughs) I surrender. Yes, Lord. All you. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, guys. I'm not trying to push you away from the altar. I want you to just surrender. Let it be. And he will. It's all about him. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thanks for helping. Yeah. All about that surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. All right. I don't want to disrupt what God's doing here, but I want to share something with you that uh, we had a couple newlyweds with us here. I had a wedding last week after church and then another one on Wednesday. And uh, Peter, Ann, and I are over there. And they just got married on Wednesday. And so if you have a moment to come by and congratulate them, you guys wave your hand over there to us. That's our newlywed couple over there. Yeah. And Anthony and Lenore, I don't know if they're in here or not. I see the sons. All right, not here, but they were here last week. and uh, We did their wedding after church last week. So God's good. He's amazing. Thank you so much for being here, church. He loves you. Let's step in the... Get on out of here and let's be the church. God bless you.